Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Luke. The Gospel Record of Luke in chapter number 17. The Gospel Record of Luke in chapter number 17. As we have been tracing Jesus Christ as he's preparing to our, he is currently on his march towards Jerusalem. We know that he has had several long days. And the gospel record of Luke chapter number 14, 15, 16, and now 17 is tracing one long day where they had went to the synagogue that morning. And after the synagogue, Jesus was invited to go to a Pharisee's house. And there the Pharisee had attempted to set a trap to humiliate the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we've gone chapter after chapter where Jesus Christ has been addressing the Pharisees. He's been addressing the crowd. He's been addressing his disciples. He's been addressing the Pharisees. And he's been going on and on just hitting all the different parties. And as we go to the gospel record of Luke in chapter number 17, once again in the same crowd, Pharisees present, Pharisees hearing in, Jesus now addresses his disciples once again. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the gospel record of Luke chapter number 17. The gospel record of Luke chapter 17, and notice with me in verse number 1. The gospel record of Luke chapter 17 and verse 1, the word of God says this, Then said he, that's Jesus, unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, then he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you may say unto this sycamore tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when... He has come from the field, go and sit down to meal, and will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me until I've eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye have done all the things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. 
And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Luke in chapter 17? The gospel record of Luke chapter 17, and notice with me the the request of the disciples in the gospel record of Luke chapter 17 in verse number 5, where they simply ask Jesus, increase our faith. Increase our faith. And with this, the Lord Jesus Christ answering that request with several lessons within this passage, increase our faith. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, I'm just asking that you would just give us grace, that you would give us mercy, that you would help us even now, Lord, to have an understanding of this passage, and that we would have the same request that these disciples have, increase our faith. I'm asking that you would open up your Bible and that you would teach us from your word so our faith would increase and that you would be pleased with all of these things that happen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, once again, as the context is going on, we are dealing with the Pharisees. The Pharisees have done everything they can to humiliate the Lord Jesus Christ, to trip him, to trap him, to try to discredit him. They've done this. Now, remember, the disciples who are followers of Christ are witnesses of these things. Could you imagine what it would be like to be Peter, James, and John, to be Andrew, Bartholomew, to watch as these disciples purposely and intentionally harass their master? As they watch the, the Pharisees with venom in their words attack the Lord Jesus Christ. And to watch as over and over they try to destroy Jesus. And they watch as Jesus deals with them graciously. Sometimes he's preaching hard messages. But at any time if these Pharisees would have turned to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, I messed up. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done this. Jesus would have forgave them right then and there. Which is opposite of the Pharisees that they were so bitter and so angry with Jesus, they would double down on their attacks. And so... If you can imagine watching someone getting harassed over and over and over and the venom coming out and the hatred turning worse and worse and worse. And as you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and knowing that, guess what? Eventually, you're going to be on the forefront and all those attacks are not going to go to Jesus. They're going to go to you. You would probably be screaming the same thing. Lord, increase my faith. This is something big to handle. And may I say, may it, oftentimes it is impossible for us to handle something that we can't do on our own. And so as the disciples are anticipating that we are going to be the brunt of the attack, that eventually we're going to have to deal with these things, Lord, increase our faith. Help us so we can handle these things. Help us so we can manage these things. Help us so we don't have to quit and fail you and give them a reason to, to rejoice, to use us as an example of why God is not worthy of worship. And so as the Lord Jesus Christ is answering them, we're going to see that he teaches them several different lessons in this passage here, all going with that idea of helping them to increase their faith. The first lesson that he teaches him here is that stumbling blocks will come. Stumbling blocks will 
come. Notice with me in verse number one. Then he, Jesus, uh, said unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. The word offense is a very interesting word. It does carry the literal idea of a stumbling block. If you could imagine that you are trying to get from point A to point B, and as you're traveling from point A to point B, someone throws a block in your path for the purpose of causing you to stumble, the purpose to cause you to fall. This is called a stumbling block. It is also called an offense. What a very powerful statement, especially in the light of our culture today, that Jesus says, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. What it is saying is guaranteed, double down, you're going to be offended. Absolutely, offenses will come. It is impossible that they don't come. This is the poetical language of it. It is impossible, but that offenses will come. Listen, it is a guarantee. It's not they might come. They will come. And there's going to be stumbling blocks that are going to be cast in your way. And part of what you're going to have to do to increase your faith is understand that they will come. And that people are trying to get you to fall. We would love to imagine that we're in a society where people are cheering others to succeed. But the only time they cheer others to succeed is if they're agreeing with them and it's going to benefit them. But if it's not agreeing with them and it's not going to benefit them, they're cheering for you to fail. Now think about this. The disciples understand this. They're watching these Pharisees trying to cast stumbling block after stumbling block before the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, Jesus, what's the right uh, law to pick? What is the greatest commandment? Hey, Jesus, is it all right to go ahead and heal on the Sabbath day? Hey, Jesus, what are you going to do with this individual? Hey, and they're doing everything they can to cause Jesus to stumble. They are purposely putting blocks. They're purposely putting things in Jesus' path with the idea that they are hoping and, and praying and cheering for Jesus to fall on his face before the crowd. Now, believe it or not, society wants the same thing. They want every Christian to fall on their face. Can you imagine all the people that do a happy dance every time a Christian fails and messes up? They get so much enjoyment. They will post it on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, anything they can. Here's an example of a failed Christian. And by the way, we do mess up. And it doesn't help that they do everything they can to put things in our way. Offenses will Come, mark it down, understand it's going to happen. Don't be surprised when someone attempts to put a stumbling block in your path. You said, how is this increasing our faith? Well, first of all, you need to know it's going to happen. You don't need to be surprised when you see something in your way for the purpose of causing you to stumble, to be offended. You know, sometimes offenses, we're using the idea of a stumbling block as a literal idea, but offenses come. People try to use their words to offend you. They will say things purposely to know, know that uh, it's something you're against or something you're not for just to cause a reaction to you. And the Old Testament, it uses the word provoke. Poke, 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 poke. And doing everything they can to get a reaction from you. 
And that's what they're looking for. It's like little sisters or little brothers. They're master provokers. Poke, 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 poke. Until finally the older brother and the older sisters snap. And then guess who gets in trouble? Mom, guess what they, without really, they're the one that's been poking me for an hour and I've been very patient. I haven't killed him yet. The world does the same thing. Poke, 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 poke. And what they want is a reaction. So as soon as you lose your testimony, you lose your temper, you lose your cool, and you react to them. Oh, look at the Christian. Look at how mean they're being to me. It happens. Jesus said, expect it. Understand it's going to happen. They're not cheering for you. But notice what he says. It is impossible that offenses, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. What a, a warning that's there. He says, listen, the person who puts those offenses, who try to trip up a Christian, who try to make a believer stumble in their walk, woe unto them through whom they come. You know, those people eventually will have to stand before the Lord and give an account. Now, how does this increase our faith? It's not our job to fix them, to yell at them, to react at them. God can take care of them a lot better than we can. We're to look to the Lord and let God deal with them. God knows they're going to come and God is going to take care of them. It is not our job to fix them. It is not our job to yell at them. It's not our job to get them in trouble. Weird to know that that's what they're going to do. You know, the job description of the wicked is that they're supposed to be wicked. We shouldn't expect anything less. Our job description is to keep our eyes on God and to follow after him and not allow offenses to cause us to get our eyes off the Lord. It's amazing to watch Facebook. Now, I expect the lost to act like lost people. It is disheartening to watch Christians get on Facebook and react to stumbling blocks. To react to the people that are provoking. And to cause them to cause a scene. And it does not help the cause of Christ. In no time in history has anybody saw a meme or saw a Facebook post and changed their entire theology. It doesn't fix it. And we need to be careful that we get our eyes off of God and look at circumstances and then start trying to fix circumstances. Remember the idea is to increase our faith. How do we increase our faith? We keep looking at the Lord no matter what they try to put in our path. We're not going to allow them to cause us to respond. We're going to keep looking to him. But notice as Jesus continues with this idea that he's going to take care of those, those people causing stumbling blocks. Verse number two, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he shall cast into the sea, then he that should offend put his stumbling block in one of these little ones. These little ones here carry the idea of those of little faith, like a little child. To cause a, a child or to cause anyone to stumble in their faith to the Lord. You understand that there are many people who try to teach that God's not real. There are many people that try to say God's not worth serving. There is a lot of people saying you're wasting your time by serving God. And you know, every once in a while, those voices will get into someone's head and someone can have their faith decrease instead of increase. 
because of what the voices around them say. Well, God did not create the world in 600 days. Evolution teaches us. True science teaches us. And they tried to cause someone to lose their faith in the word of God. Do you know that God has a very strict warning here? It said, as a comparison, it would be better for that person who caused an offense to have a millstone. A millstone would be like an anchor stone, something that would be dragged off the end of a ship to keep the ship going straight, especially in stormy water. It's something that would be big and heavy. He said it'd be better if like an anchor would be put around that person's neck and he'd be drowned in the depth of the sea than to face me. That's a pretty big threat. A pretty big warning that that person one day who's caused those offenses will have to stand before God and give an account. You understand, for our part to increase our faith, we're going to keep our eyes on the Lord and we're going to let God take care of the other yahoos around us. We're going to keep our eyes on the Lord and allow God to take care of the people who are trying to put stumbling blocks in our way. And remember, Jesus is very protective of those who have little faith or those that have new faith. And he wants to protect them. And he's serious about those who try to hurt those faith. What else? As we're trying to increase our faith, what other principle, what other thing is Jesus teaching here? Not only the idea that stumbling blocks will come, but a second thing here is to keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. What do we understand here? Notice what Jesus said in verse number three. Take heed or pay attention. Watch for yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Now here it puts a scenario that if your brother, someone you know, purposely or hurts you some way, uh, this idea of trespass means to cross a border that has been placed. Somebody crosses a border and it affects you that you are given the idea to rebuke him. Hey, you messed up. Hey, you shouldn't have done that. And if he says, I'm sorry, I messed up, your response is to forgive him. Oh, Christians need to learn how to forgive again. They hold grudges and it turns into bitterness and it hangs on to them for such a long time. And we refuse to forgive others even when they ask for forgiveness and they want to make things right. Jesus gives this principle. Now remember, the Pharisees are listening. They're listening as Jesus Christ is giving this. They heard the matter about that God is going to be after them and God's going to take care of all of them who keep putting offenses and stumbling blocks. But the Pharisees are also listening to this. Verse number four. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day. So he crosses that border seven different times. And seven times in a day turn around and say to thee, I repent, thou shalt forgive them. So let's give this illustration. Someone comes and gives an offense. All right? Let's say, as a cheap illustration, they purposely try to trip you. And so they stick out their feet in front of you, and you stumble, what? What's going on? You turn around, why did you do that? I don't know, I shouldn't have done that, I'm so sorry. Uh, you're supposed to forgive them. And then later on that day, they do it again. And you're like, what are you doing? 
I don't know. I, I shouldn't have done that. I just, sorry. I, and they mean it. I mean, they're not saying, you know, sorry, but they really mean it. That you could tell that there's something in them. They just got stuck in a habit. Something happened and they do it again and they ask for forgiveness. Yes, yes. And you don't hold them against it, put it off. Third time, they do it again. What are you doing? I mean, this is becoming a habit. It's like you're doing it on purpose. I don't know why I keep doing this. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't. I need to stop. Help me. I'm just sorry. Can you forgive me? Okay. The fourth time. The fifth time. The sixth. Now, at this time, you would be in your flesh pretty aggravated with the purpose who's doing the same offense. This carries the idea he's doing the same trespass over and over. It's not a different thing. It's the same thing. And by the time the sixth time happens, you're like, listen, this isn't by accident now. It's not like a oops, I tripped or oops, I accidentally got in your way. After six times, it's you're finding your way on purpose in front of me. You're hiding around the corner. You're purposely waiting for me to cross. There's no oops now here. At least you'd be saying that in your flesh, right? Listen, if you do it one more time, seventh time. Even on the seventh time, when they ask for forgiveness, you are supposed to give it to you. Now think about this. Be honest with yourself. And maybe think about your days of having a brother and sister living in the same house as you. After the seventh day of them doing the same thing to you, you're not really willing to give them forgiveness freely. It's not something in your mind. You are thinking revenge or how to get back at them or something. But forgiveness is not at the top of the list. May I say that it would be impossible in your own power to forgive someone who's done the same thing to you seven times in one day? Impossible. And each time to be willing to forgive them. Now, remember the audience. Jesus is talking to the disciples, but remember who's listening, the Pharisees. Do you know that the same time Jesus Christ is offering forgiveness to those Pharisees? who have purposely set him up and have harassed him for these last several chapters, one day, one day they've done all these things. And he is still willing to forgive them after everything they still try to do. Now Jesus is our example. May I say Jesus is also our empowerment? If someone did something to you, the same offense seven times in one day, You and your own strength probably would not be spiritual enough to forgive them. But remember, our purpose is not to keep our eyes on them. It's to keep on the Lord. Lord, I can't do this. Lord, next time they do it, my thing is to put my fist in their fat lip. Lord, I need your help because I cannot. Didn't they say, increase our faith? How do you keep your... How do you get your faith increased? Keep your eyes on the Lord, not on the people around you. That's how to lose your faith. Lord, I need you. This goofball has gotten my way seven times today. I can't take it. I I can't do it. It's not in my flesh. I know my flesh wants to snap their little chicken neck the next time they do this. 
Help me, Lord. Increase my faith. I need you. I need you. Now, again, as Jesus is teaching this, aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus is patient? As many times as we've messed up, as many times as the Pharisees have just on purpose harassed him, he would have still offered forgiveness to each and every one of them. I don't know about you. Have you ever had a day where you just failed the Lord over and over and over? And, and it was the same thing. That maybe you're just having a bad temper day. And you lose your temper, you blow up at someone, you say, Lord, I'm so sorry, I just I should have done that. Lord, please forgive me, please help me. And then you go on a little bit later, and it just a couple minutes later, you're blowing up at someone again. Or maybe it's some sin that you did a sin, and oh, God, I'm so guilty, I shouldn't have done that at all. Lord, please help me, I, I, I don't know, I, I need help. And then a little bit later, you do the same sin again, you're like, God... I know it was wrong and I did it anyways. Have you ever had a day like that? Aren't you glad that God is willing to forgive us each and every time? And not say, you're doing it on purpose. He's willing to forgive us each and every time. What a wonderful God. It's the idea of keeping our eyes on Him. Keeping our eyes on Him. So, when Jesus gives this idea. This is where the disciples in verse 5, and the apostles said unto him, Lord, increase our faith. Because what Jesus just said to forgive them seven times in that one day for the same trespass, they knew it was beyond their ability. They were honest enough to say, that, that, that's, Lord, increase our faith. I'm not there yet. I, I couldn't handle that. Help me. And so Jesus does. Notice there's something else he teaches them. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Notice with me in verse number 6. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now, remember, the mustard seed plant has one of the smallest seeds known to that area of the world. If you had a mustard seed and we dropped it into this carpet, you'll never find it again. It is so fine. It will mix right in. You couldn't lean down and try to find it again. It, it's gone. It is small. And Jesus said, if you had the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you may say to this sycamore tree, which is a huge tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea and it shall obey you. Now you say, wait a second. A faith of a mustard seed, that's pretty small. You're saying if I had that much faith, I could go to a tree outside and say, listen here, you need to move locations. I need you out of the way. And it's supposed to pick up. Listen, my faith is not that big. That's why we learned something here. It's not about how much faith you have as much as it is the object that you're putting your faith in. What is a good definition of faith? A Bible definition, a biblical faith? You find that in Hebrews 12 too. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The definition of biblical faith, looking unto 
Jesus. Keeping our eyes on him. You understand it is not the amount of faith that we have as much as the object of our faith. Can Jesus very easily take a tree and plant it, pull it up and plant it somewhere else? Absolutely. Is that something I have the ability to do? No, but I can trust God. God can do the impossible. We need to keep our eyes on him. He's saying, hey, you want to increase your faith? Keep your eyes on the Lord, which is pretty much what we've been hearing this whole time. Offenses are coming. What is the answer? Keep your eyes on the Lord. People continue to sin against you over and over. What's the answer? Keep your eyes on the Lord. Lord, help us to increase your, our faith. Okay? Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Quite simply, how do you keep increasing your faith? Keeping your eyes on Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews or Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Remember the main purpose of the Bible is to reveal God to man. And so when we are putting our faith in God, we're looking at him and his promises. The word points to him and shows us him and keeps our eyes on him. That's why our faith keeps increasing. The Bible teaches us about God and our faith increases when we keep looking at him. He is our object. He is what we're looking at. Keep our eyes off ourselves and off the circumstances and off the people around us and keep our eyes on the Lord. One more thing that Jesus says, he says, listen, if you really want to increase your faith, and we're telling you to increase your faith. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. That when the world is putting and the people are putting stumbling blocks and offenses and trying to offend you, keep your eyes on the Lord. Hey, when your people around you are purposely or sinning against you multiple times, the only way you can handle that is to keep your eyes on the Lord. When you have needs, when you have things that need to be done, you can't do it. Your eyes have to be on the Lord. But if you really want to have your faith increased. Not only do you need to keep your eyes off the world and the offenses, and you need to keep your eyes off those who continue to harass you, and not only do you need to keep your eyes on him and him completely, you also need to keep your eyes off yourself. One more thing he says here, he says, you are an unprofitable servant. Keep your ego checked and eyes on the Lord. Notice as Jesus tells the story, verse number seven. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say to him by and by when he has come out from the field, go and sit down to meet. So let's imagine a scenario where you are a wealthy owner, uh, landowner and you have slaves and servants at that time. And after working in the field, the people who are working for you, they get done with the field and they come in and say, all right, I've done with the field. Does the master look and say, you know what? You've done a great job. Good job. Why don't you go kick your feet up and kind of relax for a while? Well, in our American culture, we'd like to say, well, I'd like to say that would happen. But what's the reality? If you are a landowner and you own people and people working for you and working out in the field, what will what would the normal response be? Verse number eight. And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me until I've eaten and drunk, drunken and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. So listen, I know you just got from the field. Good job. Now go make me supper. 
And then when you're done with supper, be prepared to serve me and make sure I'm taken care of. And after I'm taken care of, then you can go eat. Isn't that exactly how it would work? Does the servant get a pat on the head and add a boy? No, go do the next task. And the servant's job is to do what he is supposed to do. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse 9. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. That word trow, that's an expression. It carries our same idea. I think not. Does the servant in a normal society or the owner say, you know what? You really did a good job doing this. Now go do something else. He doesn't thank him. He says, you're doing what you're supposed to do. You went out to the field. Now you came back. Now go make me supper and then do the dishes. And then after that, go eat. He doesn't thank him. He's doing what's supposed to. I know our American culture is screaming at this time and they would hate this idea, but... Most of you work jobs. When's the last time your boss sat you down and said, let me tell you, you're the greatest employee I've ever had. I want to tell you, I've been watching you and you show up every day. Uh, now, <laughs> we're getting in a culture where that's getting rare. So maybe you may get thanked. But in a normal job, just because you showed up, you don't get thanked. And just because you do your job, you don't get a plaque. And you don't get a special pat in the back and say, let me tell you, you did your job competently today. I want to tell you, you're the greatest. You don't get faint. You're doing your job. You're doing what you showed up to do. Now again, people actually showing up a time and actually working is such a foreign thing in our country today that you may get faint because you did a good job. But normally, no. And... Our culture gets the boo-hoos. My boss didn't give me a gold star today. How come he didn't do that? Why? And you know what happens when someone does that? They have their eyes on me. Why doesn't the boss recognize I haven't called in sick forever? They don't care. You're doing what you're supposed to do. My boss never tells me they appreciate that I show up on time every time and I've never been late. They don't care. You're doing what you're supposed to do. My boss never thanked me because I stayed late and did extra work and I did more work than everyone else. You did your job. Why do you need the attaboy? Because I, your eyes are on yourself and not on the Lord. Now, this is a hurtful message to all of our egos because every single one of us want the thank you, the pat on the back, the attaboy, the gold star. We want people to recognize what a good job we do. So listen to what Jesus says about this in verse number 10. So likewise ye, when ye shall do all those things which are commanded you, say, we are un profitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. Now this will scream at our ego. Our ego hates this. That you are an unprofitable servant if you do what you're supposed to do at work. The idea of profitable means that you've made gains. 
Well, that carries the idea that you've done something that was above and beyond what you were supposed to do. Normally, when you go to work, you do what you're supposed to do. Well, I do more than everyone else. Yes, that's what you're supposed to do. You haven't made profit. You are an unprofitable servant. Now, I didn't say profitless, but you're an unprofitable servant because you just did what you were supposed to do. Why should you get an attaboy? Why should you get an applause as you walk out of the store every time? Oh, there's the great employee. Woo-hoo! Now our ego would love that. But you don't need it because you're not profitable. You're an unprofitable servant just because you did what you're supposed to do. Now, if you're not even there, if you don't even do what you're supposed to, you need to get that fixed. But you understand, just because you do what you're supposed to do, you're not going to get a special gold star. Now, the disciples need this because they're human beings and Christians like us. I went door knocking every Saturday for our church. And they never had a special appreciation day for me. They said, listen, I made it every Saturday. Why should we? You're doing what you're supposed to do. I read my Bible every day. Someone should put my name up on the screen. Everybody could say, oh, this is someone who read their Bible. Why? You're doing what you're supposed to do. Some people think that it is a great treat to God if they show up to church on Sunday morning. You don't need an applause. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You understand? We're unprofitable servants. We're just doing what we're supposed to do. None of us will become profitable in this idea where God said, Woohoo! I could have never done this without them. <laughs> Let me tell you, the whole work would have just collapsed if they weren't there holding everything up. God needs you a lot less than what you think He does. God's got things handled. Sometimes people get sideways with the preacher. It happens. And they have the idea that if they leave the church, that the whole church is going to collapse and going to not going to survive without them. Listen, this is God's work. He'll keep it going whether you're here or not. Now, I'm not telling you to leave, but you understand what I'm speaking about here. There's not a single one of us that this work is dependent upon. If I was to die tomorrow, this work would still go on and God will take care of his own church. I'm not saying that there's not bumps and whatever else. There's not every single person who leaves and goes somewhere else breaks my heart and we miss them, but the church hasn't collapsed without them. Does that make sense? Yes. None of us are necessary for God's work to continue. That shows us where we're at. We're unprofitable. We're just doing what we're supposed to do. Now we could do more of what we're supposed to, <laughs> Instead of slacking off and sloughing off. But again, what's the idea? Why is Jesus telling all of his disciples and looking at him in the eyes and saying, Listen, you are all unprofitable servants. Why do they need that? Well, direct answer. Lord, help us to increase our faith, okay? I'm going to increase your faith. You're all unprofitable servants. How does that increase my faith? Get your eyes off yourself and get it above the Lord. 
As long as you're looking at yourself, you become very unprofitable. As long as you look at yourself, you're going to make the work stall and you're going to get in the way of what God is trying to do. As long as you put yourself on a pedestal, then God has to knock you off the pedestal and there's always a fallout from that. It's not helping the work, it's hurting the work. If you want your faith increased, get your eyes off other people, get your eyes off the world, get your eyes off the hurts, and get your eyes off yourself. Keep them on God. What a powerful statement. We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. If you want your faith increased, some of you need to get over some of the offenses that are costing your way. And understand they're going to come. Let God deal with them. You keep moving forward. Some of you, to have your faith increased, you're going to have to learn to forgive others because that unforgiveness is going to stall you out and it's going to hurt you. Some of you just need keep your eyes on God and realize that He can do anything. We need to trust Him. And a whole bunch of us, including me, need to be reminded over and over that you're an unprofitable servant. Get your eyes off yourself and just do what you're supposed to do and keep your eyes on God. It's not a fun message for our ego. My flesh and ego hate this. They, it wants the gold star. It wants people to say, oh, what a good flesh. What a good person. Does your work ethic change just because someone said good job? Or will you still work consistently and doing what you're supposed to whether they say good job or not? If I'm doing it for the Lord, it doesn't matter if they tell me good job or not good job. If I'm doing it for him, I should be doing my best. What do you have your eyes on? If you want your faith increased, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.